Welcome to Future Pulse, a podcast series brought to you by IPI, your innovation partner for impact. Together, we will explore how ideas, creativity, and collaboration drive impactful innovation. Welcome to this episode of Future Pulse, where we will discuss sustainability in the tropics. I'm Yvonne Chan, and I'm joined by Professor William Chan, the Michael Pham Chair Professor and the Director of NTU Food Science and Technology Program, and Travin Singh, the founder and group CEO of Crust Group. Welcome, gentlemen. I'm excited to be speaking to you both about this very timely topic, especially as people are becoming increasingly aware of the impacts that their purchasing decisions and lifestyles have on our environment. So I want to take a look at innovative companies that have embraced the sustainability agenda, how they are tapping opportunities in this space. And let's also dive a little more into the elements that make up sustainable innovation, sustainable manufacturing, and more. First up, could you tell me more about your respective roles in the food tech and sustainability sector? Let's kick it off with you first, Prof Chen. Hi, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm from NTU, and we have uh, we have been uh, developing uh, food tech innovations, actually focusing on food waste reduction. The main purpose is that the um, food waste generation is actually a loophole in the efficient food system. So uh, we aim to develop simple and cost-effective way to not uh, to uh, upcycle food waste, and therefore contribute to a uh, uh, more resilient Singapore uh, food security. Food waste, a loophole. Thanks, Prachan. Trevin, what do you think of that? In terms of the loophole side of things, um, a lot of raw materials these days right, can be actually substituted with surplus ingredients, for example, or using your, your, your food waste. So that's essentially where I would say Crust Group also comes in. Right, so we look in this look within the loophole, right, and try to find um, various ways that we could actually build beverages um, using surplus ingredients and food waste as a substitute instead. Um, so yeah, so spot on. It is right. I was like food waste, uh, loophole. Uh, so what does sustainable innovation mean to you then, Professor Chen? Uh, well, um, it has what we have been doing is actually uh, developing a platform technology. So that that would be more effective than uh, developing solution uh, based on one to one basis, right? So uh, and then we can move this uh, platform technology around to uh, sort of address different uh, raw materials uh, to upcycle them. As and and by doing so, we also in the process create this a uh, uh, circular economy model for the food. Uh, space. So yeah. more uh, a platform technology that can be applied to different types of products, right? Yes. Rather than just uh, one, right. one solution for one type of product. Yeah. Um, thanks, Professor. Trevin, the sustainable innovation, can you tell us um, how Crust is transforming food byproducts? Essentially, what Prof is doing is um, what we're doing as well, uh, probably not so much on the R&D scale or like various different products. So we are focusing more on beverage side right now. Um, but aside from that, when it comes to R&D, you could have a lot of help, right? Um, you know, like I have, like people from my team have actually sp- spoken to um, Prof as well um, with regards to certain R&D aspect. Um, and we do work with a lot of external like unis and other, other companies as well from the R&D perspective. But supply chain is also extremely important. Um, you know, so that's the part whereby we are looking quite hard at, um, you know, whereby if we are focusing like 50% of our energy at R&D, we're going to focus maybe 70% on supply chain as well. Because ultimately, 
um, without a proper supply chain, right? Um, and if you cannot reach scale, um, you know, it will not be as feasible as possible. Sustainable supply chains, that's definitely another key topic. Hold that thought, Travin. I want to come back to that later because I think um, having sustainable supply chains, one of the biggest challenges facing many companies these days, especially those in the sustainability sector. Um, But I want to come back to the title of our topic today, sustainability in the tropics, sustainability in Singapore. And Prof, you've said before, no food safety is the same as not having food security. No food safety, no food security. So tell me more about the new Future Ready Food Safety Hub and how that's going to be a game changer for Singapore's Green Plan 2030. Well, this uh, Future Ready Food Safety Hub, uh, in short, we call it FRESH, uh, is actually a tripartite partnership between uh, Amount, uh, Singapore Food Agency, ASTAR, and NTU. And the NTU is a host institution for this uh, initiative. Uh, this is part of the uh, Singapore Food Story, uh, which was launched uh, one, two years ago. There are three pillars under this uh, Singapore Food Story. One is urban farming. The second one is alternative protein. The third one is fresh. So it's very important to see that uh, uh, we are here talking about the new way of farming, new way of producing uh, food sources, and, and in, in particular, uh, protein sources. So uh, these uh, uh, alternative food sources, uh, actually, we, we need to make sure that they are safe for our local consumers, uh, 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 even the overseas consumer will export them uh, to, to the region. So a risk assessment is uh, a, a part and parcel of this uh, fresh uh, endeavor. And also, um, uh, we're talking about this uh, um, uh, consumer buy-in, right? So if uh, um, the local consumers are not familiar with this novel food, and they are, they are hesitant to, to sort of uh, 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 join in the effort to, to consume this novel food, then we are, we are not uh, really pushing for enhancing the Singapore food security. So all these uh, are, are, are very important aspects that we need to consider, not just when we look at food space, we need to look at the, uh, uh, at the system level. That means it's not just about farming, it's not just about food waste reduction, it's not just about nutrition. We need to integrate all these three elements together. Uh, uh, so-called, um, this is uh, where we see uh, how Singapore food security uh, um, is uh, going to move forward. And therefore, the food safety to make risk assessment, a proper risk assess- assessment of the novel food is actually a very critical component, but not the only component in the Singapore food security. Yeah. Some really um, good points that you raised there. You said uh, food safety is not the only component. Then what's, what are some of the other components? Well, first, we must be able to uh, find uh, to encourage tech-driven farming practice to produce this uh, novel food. Uh, second, we need to, uh, as uh, Travin pointed out, the supply chain uh, part of the food uh, food system, uh, through which we can monitor the traceability of the novel food and also reduce uh, food waste generation at source. So therefore, we don't need to uh, sort of always fire, uh, do the firefighting job by uh, reduce food waste. We can actually reduce as source. We don't need. We don't always need to upcycle up, uh, after the generation of food waste. So these are all the uh, important aspect. And then the nutrition part. No point producing food that no one eat, right? <laughs> so uh, emphasizing the um, 
the the nutrition requirement and what people uh, uh, should take, uh, this is uh, actually a more effective way of producing food. So here we're talking about new food system in which we emphasize on nutrition requirement rather than the quantity of food to be produced. Yeah. Nutrition requirement. So that's also part of Singapore's uh, 30 by 30 goal, right? Where we can meet our nutritional, Singapore's nutritional requirements. It's not the amount of food produced. Exactly. Um, Absolutely. And you raised a really good point too. Why why produce food that no one's going to eat or why produce a drink that no one's going to drink? Traven, I want you to come in here now and um, tell us, share with us some ex- your earlier experiences, you know, of starting Creston. What was the response from uh, our our locals like in terms of drinking beer that you brewed yourself? Um, okay, so this is quite interesting. Um, I mean, it, it, there was a lot of education being done Right, but we were quite confident that um, as long as the product improved over time, right, um, you know, and we tried our best to also look at the the recipe and formulation and try and make it more local, um, more for the local palate. So it was difficult at first, like at least the first couple of months. But as we moved along and grew as a company, right, um, people started becoming a lot more receptive to the brand, and not just the brand, but the idea behind what we do as well. Um, so yeah, so. But still, we still do a lot of educating, a lot of content creation, and that's probably the, direct, the di- direction of where the company wants to head towards also. Um, whereby, we, when we were entering the market, um, why we started Crust is because we felt that there were a lot of waste management companies, for example, um, in Singapore, right? With very relevant technology or very relevant solutions to a, a food loss problem, but for a lack of a uh, better word, um, quite boring solutions and mostly B2B focused, right? And then people don't understand a lot of food waste actually comes from consumer. It also comes from trade, right? So we, when we entered the market, the first thing that we focused on was to look at the consumer aspect of things, right? Um, let's see, you know, let's dive into the market. You know, of course, I entered the market by myself. I had no teammates whatsoever. There was a reason for it. It's because it was already a very risky idea. Right? I don't want to have too big a group and then we all fail together, right? So if I fail by myself, it was still, you know, I could still take it, right? Um, you know, and then when I reach a certain stage where people are already identifying with the brand and you know our followers are getting more, right? Um, support as well is more, then maybe it's time for us to put a team together to drive this idea across. So we did a lot of content creation. We still do a lot of content creation. Now uh, we focus a lot on consumers um, with regards to like tasting and, and all. Um, we focus a lot of consu- uh, on consumers when it comes to um, recipe and formulation. Um, and yeah, so so far so good. You know, people like the brand, they like the product. Um, we have been improving our own product. Um, and our next focus will then be trade um, moving forward. Um, not so much consumers already because that's the part that I think we're doing a decent enough job. Um, why trade is because people don't understand that Yes, you have a lot of food waste right now in the world. Yes, um, um, we need to go and grow our own um, um, food waste as well. I mean, I, no, we don't have to grow our own food waste. We have to grow our own uh, produce as well. But a lot of food waste actually comes from trade, right? When you import and export, right? Um, by the time it reaches its um, end destination, you might lose maybe 10, 15% of yield, right? Due to the operation and the supply chain aspect of things. So that's the part that we are very focused on right now as well. So it's not just consumers and, um, you know, people becoming, like, with regards to the consumer aspect, um, I think that the, the part is done, uh, you know, okay. so it's time to move on to, to trade right now. Right. So moving up the supply chain, right? Correct. Um, and uh, 
focusing a lot more on sustainable trade, like you said. Uh, The crust is, um, when I I spoke to you earlier, you've said before that crust, you have not fully transformed, right? You are still pivoting from a brewing company to a, a food tech company. What were some of the key factors that enabled this transformation? And do you think this on this current journey now, uh, what is what will help your company focus more on the sustainable trade side of things since you said the consumer side is more or less done? Um, I mean, a lot of, we are still transitioning and I believe that, you know, maybe even three to five years down the road, we'll continue to transition, right? Because technology is advancing so fast. If you feel like you have everything figured out, that's probably when you'll fail. Um, um, yeah, so right now we are building a team. Um, so at least from the consumer perspective, right, the R&D perspective, we know we have a decent enough product in the market, right, for crust especially. Um, the beer side, people already identify us with the beer side. They like our products well. So right now we have a second brand called Crop, which is where our non-alcohol beverage comes in. And it's where we predominantly focus on fruit and vegetable wastage, right? Um, so. We have already, uh, we have a couple of food scientists within the company to focus on the R&D side. And at least on the R&D side, um, we also have various units that we can work with, even A-Star and you know, just other companies that we can work with. So that's not going to be much of a problem. So the main focus right now is to understand our own trade. Um, we have a lot of moving parts, right? Um, because of what we started out with um, when we had to collect from different um, sources um, with regards to the food waste. But because we have more data right now, we can then um, focus on streamlining those data. So that's the focus. I would say that's pretty much what my job has been in the last couple of months where I look at the supply chain properly and see how we can actually streamline everything as much as possible. Because essentially, I don't want people to look at us as a brewing company or as just a fun. Of course, I would love to be a fun company. That's the whole idea behind it. But I want people to also not look at us as just a sustainability-based company. But instead, you know, a company that's focused on the FMCG side of things, right? Um, the beverage side of things, the way we produce and manufacture beverage and not just the way we consume beverage, right? Um, because the, the way we produce and manufacture beverage has been the same the last 10 to 20 years, right? Not so much innovation being done in that space. So we're looking at, you know, seeing how we could potentially look at that. And then when it comes to trade, at least, um, so as mentioned, right, um, a lot of food waste comes from trade. So if I could then find, if in the future, I could start building my, my Singapore products, for example, or my Japan products, made as much as possible, not just with upcycle ingredients, um, but there are various other ways to also reduce food waste. So if I could find as much locally grown produce, which is what Prof uh, mentioned as well, if I could find locally grown produce as a substitute for standard raw materials being flown in from like UK, US, and so on and so forth, right? I'm technically also reducing food waste. Right, because I'm being more dependent on food grown extremely close to me, right? Um, and when you are less dependent on trade, re- food waste will also reduce, right? And in the future, if I have any products that I want to export, for example, right, probably geographically, I will also look at only exporting to a certain distance, for example, right? Um, so, yes, food waste is um, one of the main reasons. I mean, trade is one of the main reasons for food waste, but at the same time, COVID also showed that a lot of companies were very dependent on trade for their, their business models, right, did not survive as well. Um, so these are just various aspects that we are focusing on, not just the R&D. 
I like the overview that you just gave us. Really, it's pretty comprehensive. And um, you said you, there's a lot more data that is available to you now, and that I think is is really powerful because you're able to use that to identify hotspots, right, in your supply chains, in your trades, and then figure out. Where the wastage needs to be reduced immediately and pinpointed. Uh, super, Prof. Um, I want to know your comments on this. You know, on tra- Travin's uh, sharing. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, actually, I agree uh, entirely with uh, uh, Travin's uh, perspective and based on his uh, experience. I like to share that uh, uh, for sustainable innovations, uh, uh, tech-driven farming, for example, all this innovation doesn't mean doesn't necessarily mean a cost, a costly operation. So for example, the key is actually to look beyond the, the less obvious thing. For example, when we develop uh, um, upcycling of uh, a side stream from food processing industry, we look at simple processes, right? So instead of uh, like most professors at university, we try to, you know, I would not say we try to complicate matters, but rather we, we, we try to move towards knowledge creation. So tend to be uh, uh, more complicated than rather than simplify the process, right? So for food innovation, uh, we actually move to, to the other op- uh, opposite direction. So we simplify the process. Why is it so? Because we know that tech-driven uh, innovations uh, for a start by definition is a, is a cost, is a, actually a bottleneck. So what we have been doing is to simplify the, our innovation to one to two steps, uh, which means that the first is simple, scalability is high, second is uh, uh, cost effective. So in the process, we have uh, tried to uh, a quite significant uh, uh, level of interest from food industry and government agencies, so much so that uh, within the um, uh, a short span of uh, three years, two to three years, we have uh, uh, sort of commercialized uh, our innovation into a consumer product, two or three of them. Yeah, uh, already on the supermarket uh, end, you know, one of yeah, them is, uh, yeah, so one of them is um, um, a probiotic ice cube. This is, yeah, you can find it in the NTUC Fair Price Outlet. So this is a, um, a sort of a simplified process as compared to the older well-known probiotic beverages, uh, which has, may have higher sugar content, may have, uh, you know, uh, a flavor that not everyone would like. It's in contrast, probiotic ice cube, you know, you can make a, a healthier, Beverages, depending on your choice of uh, of uh, of drinks, it can be uh, apple juice, orange juice, or, or, or uh, things like that. Yeah. So this is already uh, on the market. Uh, it's in partnership with a local company. Uh, uh, I will not mention the name, but <laughs> sponsored by, funded by ESG actually. Uh, the second one is actually not many people um, uh, have heard of it. It's actually, but everybody has used it. This is uh, last year at the peak of uh, uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Government, uh, our government has distributed to all the households the black color reusable antimicrobial mask. Uh, the antimicrobial part is actually our tech. The company licensed out our tech uh, uh, from NTU and incorporated in the textile uh, uh, fabric and distributed, you know, they make this antimicrobial reusable uh, mask. Uh, to reduce its, uh, co- uh, the spread of COVID-19. So these are two examples of uh, uh, a commercialization of our simple innovations. 
and uh, the third one that is uh, the, our flagship uh, industry partnership with uh, FNN, uh, that would be available uh, later this year. Yeah. You said to watch that so, space, right? Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is not to promote the product, but rather to say that the R and D can be simplified and it can have a direct impact on the on the on the product development. Yeah. Can you share with us then, um, Travin, uh, because you you did say that R and D is uh, your your company is not focused as much on the R&D aspect, more on the trade bit. So how is Crust then collaborating with partners to tap into new growth opportunities that could also, you know, uh, where you, you see more of your partners bringing in the R&D aspect? Um, we are actually extremely focused on the R&D aspect, right? And as much as possible, if I can keep it in-house, I will, right? But as a startup, you're always short short on funds, right? Um, you know, we try to keep things as lean as possible, right? So when I mention I'm not as focused, it's because we have reached a point whereby we have done R&D on a couple of products already, right? Um, it's time for us to then focus on the supply chain side and the trade side for us to make this a feasible product within um, the market, for example, right? Um, but having said that, when I try to keep things as lean as possible, we do have a couple of food scientists within the company to continue R&D, but anything where I need to use external resources that I don't have, then that's where we work with um, various different unis and um, like even um, Singapore Poly as well, ASTAR, uh, Bright Science Hub. And these are the kind of companies that we work with. Um, and we use external facilities and their external um, capabilities then, right, to increase our own. So that's the part. Um, whereas um, within the company, we do have two models, right? We have the product business model and we also have the service side of things. So the product is where we just build our own products, right? Um, you know, the crust and crop standalone product and then we sell in the market um, via e-commerce, supermarket, retail, so and so forth. But we have the service side where we work with other FMB hospitality, you know, aviation companies, right? These are companies that already generate their own surplus ingredient, right? Um, um, due to various reasons. And then we come in as the R&D partner. So when then, then with these companies, we take on a very different role. So if you do look at what we have in the market right now with Tiong Baru Bakery, uh, Better Brisa and Salad Stop, these are where we adopt those rules with these companies, right? We come in as an R&D company and we upcycle their surplus ingredients and we co-brand a product with them, right? So instead of buying external products, right, why not create your own meat from your own surplus ingredients, right? So that's exactly how we can try our best to achieve collectively that reduction that that reduction in 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 food wastage, right? Um, that that one percent that we are looking to, to to achieve ten years from now. So yeah, so that's pretty much what we do from um, the oh, R and D and trade perspective. So you talked about creating meat from your own surplus products. I want to ask uh, you both then how how do, do you see sustainable food tech companies differentiating themselves and defining success in the market going ahead? Prof, you did say that um, you wanted to make it clear today that innovation farming does not have to be costly and there are ways to get around the bottlenecks, right? Instead of complicating things, it's about keeping it as simple as possible, scaling up um, and just finding ways to be a lot more cost-effective and getting to market a lot quicker through different co commercialization processes. Uh, what would you say to this question then? how sustainable food tech companies are differentiating themselves? Well, first, uh, um, we need to mount a very uh, effective education campaign, right? To educate, uh, to let, uh, raise awareness of the importance of sustainability in the food space to not just to uh, industry players and the academic, but also more importantly, uh, consumers. And uh, uh, when I talk about this uh, um, uh, sustainable uh, 
food tech innovations, we also need to bear in mind that the, uh, Singapore being a high tech place, of course, is an ideal, you know, ideal place to test bait all these uh, new innovations. But ultimately, uh, we are still a very small country. So whatever impact we can create is limited by our size. So important, uh, important consideration would be how we can bring this technology beyond Singapore so that everyone in the region, our neighboring countries benefit from this uh, uh, tech innovation. And then we grow together uh, in a way that is a way to uh, promote sustainability and also enhance regional Not food security. Not just local food security, you're right, but it's regional food security. Exactly, yep. Uh, thanks, Prof. Traven, I understand you also have a, an entity already in Japan. Tell us more about that and how that's part of your growth and expansion strategy. Um, yeah, I mean, we are definitely moving into um, such countries where at least government-wise, right, they are looking at uh, different policies revolving around sustainability, right, or at least environment and climate change and all that, all the different aspects. Um, so Japan was a conversation that we have been having the last one year. Um, you know, then we reached a stage whereby people identified the brand already, but we had no entity and no product. So yeah, so that was that started happening. I think late last year, um, and then that was the time. I think we we felt it was the right time for us to then build an entity and have a product ready, um, both in Tokyo and Osaka. Um, and yeah, so it's been interesting. It's been a very different market from Singapore. So Prof was right that you know in Singapore it's very small, right? There's only so much I could do here, right? Whereas one thing that we realized is that in a bigger market where they have extensively their own farming and their own local produce, right? Um, our impact is slightly more because of the entire supply chain and they have mentioned as well, right? Um, a lot of surplus ingredients comes um, out of it and then we can come in and we can try and tackle all that instead, um, right? And then, you know, then in certain ways, um, we haven't really figured out the, 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 the different aspect yet, but in certain ways we could also help um, different farmers in Japan, for example, not just the bigger corporates or the bigger bakeries or the bigger companies with rice, but maybe even farmers to, to, to a certain extent. So it's been interesting, a very interesting ride, but um, everything still boils down to price and product quality, right? Um, you know, um, even no matter what you do, right, you still need to re reach a scale where you could drive costs down and show other people within the market that what we are doing is feasible, right? Um, that that it's a proper way of doing things, right? That there are better ways to do um, to do so, right? When you come when it comes to producing and manufacturing beverages, so that is the part that, that that's probably like our main journey um, 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 in the last two months or so, and probably will be the main focus six months from now. Um, you know, whereby we look at how we can actually reach a certain scale so that we can drive costs down, whereas our product is still extremely good. Right, um, because I don't want to just appeal to the people who already believe in the brand or you know look at sustainability and understand it. Right, um, you know I want to appeal to the people who don't understand it, right, or don't really um, care about it to a certain extent or is not um, at the top of their mind. Because when you can appeal to such consumers, right, then you probably win half the battle already. Yeah, that's when you have a real behavioral change. So. Crust is now focused more on the price and product quality. And I think I, I would 
be echoing both of you when you when I say that um, there really needs to be education in uh, the taste of such products, the safety of such products, and the feasibility of what you guys are doing and creating. Uh, but there's also this risk of uh, green companies, right, alienating customers because of this very overzealous promotion of their agenda. And uh, earlier in this conversation today, Travin, you did say that you don't want to be known just as a sustainability company to both Prof Chan and Travin, how can we overcome this? Um, besides a lot of education, I think sometimes we are just too inundated with a lot of campaigns. What do you think, Prof? Yeah, well, actually, um, I see, I, I don't, I actually, I don't do this uh, black or white, yes or no type of uh, classification, right? So it's good uh, having this green company around, it's good to raise awareness in general about alternative food sources, right? So uh, actually they are doing, uh, 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 helping us a lot in promoting this, uh, um, uh, this uh, uh, presence of uh, uh, alternative food sources around us. Uh, for example, we talk about underutilized crops. There's a local company promoting this uh, uh, underutilized crops, uh, like for example, um, Bambara uh, groundnuts to incorporate into the diet. And uh, um, on the other hand, uh, we also need to, uh, to, be, to, be, to be aware that these uh, green companies, although they may have their own agenda, but ultimately it's about, I, I, in my view, it's about uh, providing consumers with more options rather than a replacement. Uh, by doing so, then you have a lesser pushback from, from, from either side. And uh, uh, but um, consumers, you know, food is something um, is very interesting in the sense that we cannot force people to eat things they don't like to eat, as we discussed earlier. So I would say uh, taste is uh, is a key, and cost is another important factor. So if a consumer, no matter what you say, if the taste is not there, consumer is not going to buy it. So I would say is uh, is like a, you know initial stage. There are a lot of, I will not say hype, a lot of push towards alternative food, but it's good in the sense that the, the consumer now can see more than beyond their current diet, which is good for Singapore's food security because then in a way they're helping government to, to promote these uh, alternative food sources from the uh, Singapore food story. So I, I see that it's a synergist effect, indirect synergist effect uh, for our Singapore food security. And the consumer part, I would just say that uh, uh, we, leave it, we leave them to decide because there's uh, uh, always uh, two factors, uh, taste and cost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a very refreshing perspective. Um, I actually didn't see it that way, but uh, after listening to you, I, I can totally understand where you're coming from in terms of you know having these discussions, right? What's good? What's out there? Should I consider this or not? It's just giving consumers a lot more options and um, exactly. being privy to different kinds of discussions that's happening in this space. Travin, your thoughts on this, please. Uh, I'm going to keep my answer a little bit short and sweet, um, but I do agree with Prof, right? Um, and it's also what I've mentioned before as well. Um, everything still boils down to, you know, um, the product itself and the cost, right? Um, so when it comes to like the greenwashing side, um, you know, where everybody have their own opinions on it, right? Um, definitely it gives people a lot more option, whether more expensive or, more, or, 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 or a cheaper option, um, then, that will be the consumers who go and decide, right? On whether do you want to go for that option or not. So from our perspective, at least at Crust, um, what we are focusing on is to look at um, 
the way we produce and manufacture beverage and then try to keep it cost-effective as well, not just within the company, but even for consumers as well, right? So unfortunately, there were a lot of moving parts when we first started the company, right? Um, therefore, the higher cost. But that should not always be the driver um, 10 years from now, right? Um, you sh- your cost should never be the same um, 10 years later, right? Because you should have already innovated in a space and found more solutions to all those different moving parts, um, you know, and therefore drive your cost down, whereas also keeping your product quality intact. So that's it. I'll probably just leave it at that in terms of our focus um, with regards to the whole um, sustainability side of things. Thanks, Travin. Uh, very concise there. Uh, before we wrap, uh, Professor, very quickly, as are, do you think our inherent tropical conditions, okay, this topic is sustainability in the tropics, are tropical conditions a hindrance to achieving zero food waste here? Ah, uh, well, I, 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 I don't think so. I think it's more like a human behavior type of thing. Uh, for that, uh, I, I see a solution not just by developing technology to reduce food waste, but uh, equally important uh, is uh, the education aspect and also infrastructure uh, build up. So we need to tackle this food waste problem from two angles. First is to reduce uh, uh, the waste generation as source. Uh, for that, you know, consumer behavior and the government's uh, support for the infrastructure build up uh, uh, will, will help a lot. So uh, interestingly, you can see that uh, through, throughout this uh, COVID-19, even since we have this uh, circuit breaker last year, uh, um, I mean, think, uh, we, we all stopped eating buffets. And uh, uh, in fact, but the, nothing not, nothing changed in, in, in terms of our health, right? Everybody stays healthy and so on. So there's a, there, are, there are things that we can change, but unfortunately, usually through, through crisis, right? So education will help us change behavior without going through crisis, right? A crisis is unpleasant to, to everyone. So this is the one aspect to reduce co- uh, uh, waste generation as source. The second one is uh, uh, upcycle, right? Uh, uh, develop technology to sort of uh, create a, a closed loop uh, um, economy model, circular economy, and then connect back to uh, all this uh, nutrient recover from food waste back to the food chain. This is very important to Singapore because we import 90% of food. So there was actually a, a survey done by uh, the Food and Agriculture Organization under the UN to say that if we can reduce uh, food waste to zero, Actually, there's no need to push for uh, a, a higher yield of agriculture. So that shows the importance of food waste reduction. Yeah. So I believe that uh, uh, we can do it, but it's not. It's never one dimensional. We need the effort from everyone to work together. Absolutely. Yeah. I I see both uh, nodding there. Um, before we wrap now, or rather, as as a parting note for this conversation today, can I get you both to share with me? your two goals for sustainable food tech in the next decade? Travin. Interesting question. Um, <laughs> definitely driving my costs down so that I can start competing in the mass premium market at least, um, right? Because so that's definitely something that we're definitely uh, focused on. And um, at least in the next 10 years, um, so that's... Within the company, at least we have this a plan that we call the cross universe. Um, you know, so it's like the bigger brother plan. Yeah, it's like the bigger brother plan. Um, you know, so we want to tackle the beverage industry first and show that things can be done in a better way, right? Um, thereafter, we want to move towards food application, 
then thirdly packaging thereafter. Um, yep. So for food application, just just uh, just to give you a little bit of teaser, um, you know, we have already converted like our spent grain, which is a byproduct of making beer, right, into a food application. Um, right. We've done R and D on it, but again, um, the team is still very lean right now, and we have like Japan right now as a market and crop coming out as our, our second brand. So we have enough on our plate right now. So the whole idea is to just learn the supply chain side and the feasibility of entering market and when we increase our own resources and capabilities we will then um, introduce a product into the market so we're not stopping a beverage um, that's pretty much what i will say awesome so not just stopping at beverage but expanding your crust universe too and i like that you are i mean through the course of our conversation today i'm hearing a lot of uh, we're learning about this we're learning about that there's a lot of education that's happening um for yourself and for your own team members, right, uh, Travin? Uh, There's a great attitude there, Prof. Well, uh, in addition to um, sustainability uh, in terms of uh, tech, food tech innovation, I also believe in sustainability in talent development. You know, in Singapore, uh, young kids, they don't, they, uh, very few of them take this uh, food tech as their uh, career choice, right? Unfortunately. So when I, uh, I've been doing this um, outreach on education outreach in the secondary school and so on, I use a very simple example to show the importance of uh, food What's technologies. That is, yeah, that is uh, when I, uh, so that is uh, uh, the top choice for local kids are uh, two. First is medical school, yeah. second yeah. is a law school. Yes. <laughs> I told them food technologies, it should be your first choice. Why? Why? Because food technologies will produce nutritious and uh, uh, and good food. So when people eat this nutritious and tasty food, they are happy. When they are happy, they are healthy. They don't fall sick. You don't need doctors. And when they are happy, they they don't do funny things. You don't need lawyers. <laughs> So, uh, but that that was a little bit far fetched. But over time, we have seen changes. Mm -hmm. That, um, uh, for example, um, every year I go to one of the uh, top schools uh, to 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 share the experience in the FSC development, and the the, the brother school, I guess you you, you can imagine which one. And uh, the brother school start offering the FSC course since last year to their sec three wow. students, and there's. They also come to university to my site to do full research, and some of them uh, won national level competition uh, for research. So I think the talent development is a critical part, a lot of critical part. But without talent, we can't we can't sustain the technology development. So I believe my parting words is the talent development is uh, also a critical part of uh, sustainability technology development. Yeah. Absolutely. Sustainability in talent development in the food technology sector. So make a food technologist uh, one of your career choices. If any of our young uh, millennials or um, teens are listening to this podcast, <laughs> food technologist is the way to go. Um, so thank you so much, uh, Professor Chen and uh, Travis, for, for sharing your very, very refreshing perspectives today. I think the future is looking really bright for the sustainable food tech space. And there are some very easy steps that we can all take to achieve zero food waste as shared by you both today. And when it comes to defining success in the sustainable food tech center um, space, it boils down to that, right? Focusing on price and product quality and making sure there's uh, adequate education in the 
taste aspect of uh, alternative foods, in the uh, safety aspect of alternative foods, as well as the feasibility of going down this journey. And there's nothing like finding the right partner to scale up and seize opportunities in this arena as well. So we wish you both all the very best. I'm Yvonne Chan. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time for another exciting and insightful episode.